Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. of the Athletic Football Show. Welcome, everyone, to the Football GM Podcast. I'm Mike Sando, Senior Writer for The Athletic, along with the GM, Randy Mueller. Randy, good day. How are you doing? Doing great, Mike. Uh, kind of looking forward to some of these topics that we've been kicking around oh the last few God. hours. So. Some interesting ones that uh, I think might get us both a little fired up at times. Okay. So it brings a smile up. to my face. Yeah, you know, the, a couple things get hackles up when my when our dog Roxy sees a squirrel in the front yard, <laughs> and when some of these things shenanigans happen in the NFL, the hackles go up on Mueller. So, oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> especially when they're kind of an affront to the GM. Well, <laughs> so, not only that, I just when people always are drawing attention to themselves, I guess it's just my makeup. It just yeah, drives me yeah. crazy. The game's yeah. going to go on whether you're in it or not. Trust me, it's going to go on. <laughs> But some of these guys think that it's all about them, and I understand it is what it is. And that's our first two right out of the gate here. <laughs> People are peeking on their on their preview, their menu of what we're going to talk about. Uh, shoot, I don't know whether to. I said I don't know whether to start with Sean Payton or, or Aaron Rodgers. Let's start with with Aaron Rodgers, like clockwork, stirring it up again, um, suggesting on his Pat McAfee weekly show, which this is the league now, Randy. Oh my god, it's the Pat McAfee show. We got. Sean Payton on Colin Coward. We got the McAfee show with Rogers. It's really a different, different world, uh, an emerging world. Is it a yeah. better world? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I guess we need to have our own show, and maybe this is it to combat a it, lot yeah. of the individualism that's out there. You know, that's right. Well, they'll be turning out if we start talking about the people's choice. We'll be the yeah, people's yeah, choice yeah. show. Yeah, people's choice show. Well, <laughs> so Aaron Rodgers suggests basically the Packers should re-sign his buddies: Mercedes Lewis, Randall Cobb, <laughs> Robert Tunyon, Alan Lazard, David Bakhtiari, uh, and he says, "quote I think I can win MVP again in the right situation." Right situation? <laughs> is that, is that, I almost get you a straight face. Sorry. Is that Green Bay or is that somewhere else? Oh. Not sure. But I don't think he should shut down any opportunity. Like I said during the season, that's got to be both sides actually wanting to work together moving forward. I think there's more conversations to be had. So I actually have some thoughts that I put down, but I want to get right to you because, I mean, you're reading that. If you're Brian Gutekunst sitting in there trying to – What's the GM doing right now? What's Brian Kutenkus doing when he looks up from his his whatever and sees this on the ticker? What's what's he probably doing? He probably makes sure his door shut and takes the palm of his hand and hits himself in the forehead and just said, what have I done? What is This is a freaking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Know? I'll be yeah. all honest. I mean, I don't know any way around it where any of this can be good. Um, again, I guess it's lifetimes day it's Aaron Rodgers yeah. I don't know I feel like Aaron Rodgers is trolling this all the time so oh, yeah. and and we all bite I get it everybody yeah. needs content so it is what it is but yeah if you're the GM making some of these decisions you just shake your head and I don't know what he wants I'm, I'm assuming that Brian maybe does um, they had to have had some of these conversations ahead of time and maybe Aaron is letting the Packers know 
already or before this even came out that, hey, here's what I'm going to say. I don't know. I'm trying to give him the benefit yeah. of the doubt. But as a GM, I don't know the particulars of his contract. I don't know if there's a jumping off point. I don't know the details of which would make it uh, even palpable yeah, for him not to be there. Yeah. Yep. Some of that stuff is, is evident. Some's not. But here's the other thing, Mike. We don't know if there's a verbal agreement of some kind or not. And we can say there's no verbal agreements, but let's face it. I mean, maybe they told him, hey, sign this. We'll do this. And at the end of the day, if you don't want to be here, we'll talk about it. So you're yeah. really giving him a license to do whatever he wants. Obviously, these guys that he wants to resign and said this and that are, at one point, they were good players. I'm not sure they're good players now. I'm not sure they figure into the future. I'm not sure if he's giving them a, a ransom note to say, hey, you can sign these guys, and then there's something to talk about. The other part of it is the MVP stuff. I'll be honest with you, Mike, as a GM, in a respectful way, I don't really care if he wins the MVP. I really yeah. don't. I want to yeah. win games. And so that's more of the individualism things that I don't really care about. I, I want to do what's right for our team. There's 52 other guys downstairs that I want to go talk to and get their feelings on besides the quarterback. So the GM's about team. He's about doing what's right for the team. Obviously, they're a better team if Aaron Rodgers wants to be there and comes back. I get it. Nobody wants to jettison this guy, but he makes it very difficult to manage, to communicate. Um, the public stance on everything is at some point going to be worth it or not. And, and I, I guess it is, and they've determined it is because they signed him to a long-term deal, but it raises a lot of red flags to me. And, and I don't think that's old guy talk. I don't think that's get off my yard talk. I just think it's football acronym 101 and we're team builders and we want to do what's right for our team so there's some serious consequences whether they're intended or not by him i don't know yeah yep. tell yep. me yep. tell me you tell me I, maybe i just see it yeah. totally different i don't know as far as to move on from him or trade him the only way i think to do that capitalize would be after june one so you'd have to have something maybe worked out and then you're going to do it that's pretty late in the process to be adding a new quarterback or moving from one moving on from one Right. Um, although the 49ers proved you could have Jimmy Garoppolo on a separate practice field for the whole year. So anything's yeah. possible. But <laughs> um, I would be tempted if I were the Packers or if I were you know, the GM to be polite to Rodgers but not be deferring to him and just really emphasize the team. Yeah, I think people I get that. I think the team gets that. I think the public gets that. This is a team game. And you're really saying what you said. This is not about MVPs. I could care less. We've yeah, won two MVPs cares? and couldn't get out of the couldn't get to the championship game. Couldn't get out of our own way. Yeah, couldn't get out of our own way. <laughs> so uh, we can't beat Detroit. Can we? Right. You know, I'd like to. I'd like to focus at home. On be, yeah, I would. That's what I'd like to say is I'd like to focus on being able to beat Detroit at Lambeau. That yeah. seems like a good place to start for <laughs> us. Maybe we can put together a team that does that. Maybe it includes some of those guys that that Aaron Rodgers wants on the team. But uh, we can't then have anybody talking about the weaponry not being good enough if we're filling up three four spots with Tunyon, Lazard, Cobb and Mercedes Lewis yeah that's not what they need to do they, they need to go so I don't know what if his agenda is to get out of there but right. clearly he wants to plant that seed with in the right situation because I think he would perceive the MVP stuff to be appealing to someone else to a different team hey this guy could still be the MVP in the right place that's what you say when you want another team to be interested I think uh, I think you're right, but I also think it crosses over to being a detriment for a new team too. All of this talk, all of this circus, yeah. all of this, yeah. you know, Barnum and Bailey BS. I think at some point people are going to say enough. I don't want to have 
our laundry aired on McAfee every Tuesday. Sorry, I get it. I just pick a different lane. And that leads us into the Sean Payton thing, too, because uh, he went on the Colin Coward show and was talking about, uh, you know, all of his options and Carolina, Denver, Houston, whatever, Arizona, all these teams. And he's going to meet with David Tepper in New York. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, probably a mid to late first round pick to get me. Uh, You know, he's sitting in the chair, kind of leaning back with his legs crossed. And and, you know, I think. Colin Coward asked him about the compensation and, and uh, Peyton mistakenly started thinking he was talking about his salary or something. He was talking about compensation. Well, we haven't had the talk yet. And then Colin Coward had to say, I think, or there was a question. Peyton said, oh, caught himself and said, oh, we're talking about the trade compensation. <laughs> and then he said, this year would probably be a mid to late first round pick. If nothing happens this year and we go to next year, then that changes considerably. And he interrupted Colin Coward to say that last part. That last part was kind of, is that trying to say to the Saints they better move on this thing because the compensation's not going to be there? I don't know. What, what, do you, what do you make of this one? I put myself in Mickey's shoes. And, and as you know, Mickey and I have been friends forever. Yeah, we've together for in 20 Seattle years. And, so. yeah. 30 <laughs> I mean, years, I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I just, if I'm him, I'm just shaking my head and wondering what the heck is going on. I got news for Sean. I know he's had a conversation or two probably with Mickey about this, but I would think Mickey's going to do what's right for the Saints. So regardless of what Sean thinks is going to get the deal done, I don't think he's going to be the determining factor. I think Mickey and the Saints will do what's right for them. If they don't, then... Saints owner Gail Benson probably should have an issue because it is her franchise. Um, Sean left on his own accord and kind of left them hanging. And so I don't know that they're going to do him a bunch of favors. I know this, that Mickey's very respectful of Sean and they have a good relationship, obviously. And he has he's always said that Sean has earned the right to do what he wants. I think there comes a time, though, it's got to be within reason. You need to have that in parentheses at the end of the statement. So... Um, I just felt like it was such a self-serving, almost, you know, pompous in a way, um, demeanor that all of this information came out. So I understand Sean's got to do what's right for him and he needs to drive uh, negotiating power. So it's inclusive to have all these teams involved and again, make it about him. Um, I don't know. That would make me a little leery uh, going forward because of all the information he spewed out. I'll be honest, if I was a GM somewhere else, I'd say, wait a second now, is he going to be the sole provider for information in the future when he gets put in these situations? There was a lot of always said in in New Orleans that he was the team spokesman on the football side, as most head coaches are. But there's a lot of decisions that go on behind the scenes that the other side of the building really doesn't want to be public. And it seems like some people want to make all of this thing public for what reason? I don't know. It just doesn't serve the team's best interest. So I might be rambling a little bit. I don't yeah. know where the guy ends up. I've said from day one, it's complicated because of three things. The compensation has to be worked out. And that means what the Saints get. The compensation to Sean in his pay scale has to be worked out. And I guarantee you there'll be some conversation about structure of the front office and how the football organization will be uh, we'll move forward and, and, and who falls under what umbrella. So all those things got to be sorted out. Yeah. And the reason I transitioned into this the conversation about Sean Payton from Rogers was because I think the jumping off point was, Hey, 
if you know, some of the stuff from Rogers could be a little bit of a turnoff to other teams when you're always out there talking. Now, Sean Payton doesn't have a weekly show on McAfee. He doesn't have near the history of Rogers of saying this thing. He's in a unique situation where he's really trying to get stuff going to get back in the league. So there's a decent chance to me that when he's hired as a head coach again, he kind of goes back to just coaching and you fall into that kind of rhythm and cadence uh, possibly. And you're not, you have your weekly press conference to say what needs to be said. You don't have to go on some show and be saying sideways things about the organization for some agenda down the road. Cause you're talking about playing Carolina this week or whatever you're talking about playing, uh, you know, could be playing new Orleans uh, in the future, whoever he's going to be playing. Um, do you, do you think that there's any, see, I kind of assumed to put it this way, like when Jim Harbaugh said he was interested, well, guess what? He didn't get an offer. Right. I don't think Jim Harbaugh got an offer. The assumption is, Hey, Jim Harbaugh's coming back. Someone's going to hire him. I think our assumption all along has been that there's going to be such a bidding war or so much interest in Sean Payton. Is that a guarantee? Do you think it's a guarantee that he's going to be hired in this cycle? No, I don't. I mean, I think he will, but there's no guarantee by any means. And I think he may have realized that by throwing out at the end of that conversation, the fact that, well, if it doesn't happen this year, the price changes next year. So it has to be the right fit. And I'm telling you, there is two thirds of the teams or more that wouldn't do any of the three things that I listed before. So there's been a lot of speculation and I'm not picking on the Chargers, but there's been speculation that the Chargers, they should hire Sean Payton. Well, you and I both know that's never going to happen. It's not happening. They're just not set up to do things or make decisions like that. Well, guess what? There's a lot of other teams that are set up that same way that just don't want to go that route. So the bidding war, I just, I don't see it. I'll be honest with you. I don't know what David Tepper's going to do. Um, I, I know this, that Scott Fitter will have something to say about that. And I think George Payton, the GM of the Broncos, will have a little bit to say about what the Denver uh ownership ends up doing at the end of the day probably probably less than where scott's at just because of what's transpired the last couple years so i mean at least this year so an interesting thing i think there's two big fish kind of here uh in this thing and that would be dan quinn and that would be uh sean payton for as potential coaches for denver or carolina in particular and we know that uh quinn interviewed in denver last year he's uh, you know, got a good relationship with George Payton, right? They were, I think they were in Miami together. Yep. Uh, and then, uh, you know, kind of circling above all of this was Jim Harbaugh's decision to go back to Michigan. At that time, I wondered if that means he knows that someone's getting the Denver job, uh, Sean Payton, but maybe, maybe that's not um, a done deal. Where do you put kind of uh, where all that is at with, uh, with Quinn there too? Wouldn't you think that Quinn's going to be in the mix for one of these top jobs too, or? Yes, I do. I think the same, and I'll say this, Dan Quinn is a really good coach, and I think he will be in demand, and if he wants to be a head coach, he probably will be. But his same connection to George Payton in Denver, he has with Scott Fitterer in Carolina. They were together yep. in, in Seattle yeah. longer than Dan was with George in Miami. So yep. the same, there's the same connection there, both with the general manager, both know Dan Quinn well, and both obviously would like to work with Dan because he's a good guy. He's not an ego-driven guy. It is not about him at all. So I live that. I know Dan, and, and that would be awesome as a GM. So how much weight that has with ownership in both places, I don't know. But I think it can only be a positive. Um, I think – Wherever Sean goes, there may be some acquie- you know, acquiescing by the GM to definitely take a step back because Sean wants to be involved in all yep. that stuff. 
Um, I think it was easier for him to do that in New Orleans because Mickey came up on the business side and is more of a salary cap expert. He's not, you know, a, a football scout uh, evaluator mm-hmm. at all. So it was easy for Sean to flex that muscle. That may be a tougher fit in these other areas. Um, just my opinion. Yeah, I, I wouldn't imagine which general manager would be saying, let's get Sean Payton, let's get Sean Payton, right? Or, right. right. or even let's get Jim Harbaugh, right? Or somebody like that who comes in and materially affects the role of the GM. Uh, I, I, I will say this, and I know both the GMs, and I think either would do what's best for the franchise, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. like we talked about, again, I had that same position in, in Seattle when we hired right. Mike Holmgren, and, yeah. and I was able to slide really seamlessly to the side yeah. and do what's yep. right for the franchise. So those guys would do the same I have 100% you know, faith in. Wouldn't it be something if Quinn could choose between uh, you know, getting together, reunited with George Payton, reunited with Scott Fitter, and he's like, you know— I think I'd rather go where there's not a quarterback and go to Carolina Could be. and be reunited with Wilson after the year that he had. Uh, amazing that it could possibly uh, be that type of a calculus. We've had some other moves around the league, couple of GM hirings. Let's go to Tennessee, Randy. When John Robinson was fired as the general manager of the team, we wondered to what extent a lot of people did. It might be a power grab by the head coach because it was sort of, wow, in the middle of the season, you don't usually see the GM fired. Sometimes you see him after the draft, but right. uh, that was a little bit unusual. And so we wanted to see who they were going to hire and then be able to maybe have some optics on it. So they hired Rand Carthon uh, of the 49ers, uh, who uh, has been there uh, in recent years. What is the effect of that? What is the message or the signal now that we know that's who they are hiring as the GM with Mike Vrabel as the head coach? What have we learned? Well, I think it's a good move. I know Rand. I, I've had an acquaintance to, to be around him. Um, he has paid his dues. He understands what has made them effective in San Francisco. He's also been other places. I don't think there's an ego there. I think he's going to have his hands full probably with Coach Vrabel just because it's a different mentality that, that he comes with. Um, I, I, I'm, I think it's a good move for them. I, I wonder what he has been promised. And again, I don't get tied up with who is in charge, who has final say. I don't right. really care about that because we're all going to work together. And my theory has always been if we don't agree, we're going to pick a different lane. So I think Rand is, is that kind of guy. So we'll see. I mean, he's He's surely trained for it, and I think it's good uh, for the Titans to actually have a different set of eyes, a different set of values. Um, I think it's better for them to to reach out somewhere else uh, to someone who's been part of another building successfully structure, and obviously the 49ers have done that. Do you think that he is, uh, you know, are there categories that GMs get into, Randy, in terms of types of players they like or how the vision for the team? Or is it really going to be Coach Rabel's vision of the team that matters and that's what he conforms to? Well, I don't know because personality that Mike Rabel carries is is one that fills up the room. So I think he'll have his hands yeah. full in that he will have to obviously take the vision of Mike Rabel and where he has seen this team going to over the last few years and then meld his own people into it. I don't think it's about having one vision. I think it's about having a shared vision and having some alignment. And I think Rand's personality will allow that. Hopefully Mike Vrabel's will as well. Yep. Uh, Separately, the 49ers Trey Lance after that social media. Here we go again. Uh, You know, 
put out something with his fingers crossed on that uh, that move, which made everybody think hmm, maybe he's hoping to be uh, that Rand Carthen will bring him to the Titans. So uh, there's always something, Randy. I guess yeah. uh, probably not going to be di- dictating what happens, but I thought it was at least notable. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree. I think it's a little bit immaturish, probably on Trey's part. I mean, I don't think yeah. he's going anywhere. I think the 49ers are going to make their position of quarterback as strong as they can going into next year. And I think Trey Lance is probably in for the battle of his life. He's not been afforded and given a job now at this point. He kind of was last time around. And now he's going to have to go earn it because of the way Brock Purdy's played. So as long as Brock Purdy is not the reason if the 49ers don't move on or don't win a Super Bowl, I think he will come into camp as their starter next year. But I think Trey is going to have every opportunity to compete against him. So I don't know what the tweet meant to answer your question. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of racked it up as being yeah. a little immature. She's, I don't think he's going anywhere. And I don't think that's anything fans should even take to the next level with. Yeah. Week five starter for the 49ers next year, is it Brock Purdy? I would think so. Again, I have yeah. seen nothing, Mike, that tells me that he is physically flawed, mentally mm-hmm. flawed or has any flaw at all that says we can't win with this guy. And the biggest indicator for me is, and we've said it on the show, is I don't think Kyle Shanahan calls a different game. I don't think he has to protect him. I think the kid knows what he's doing. The ball comes out on time. Some people in that pocket, they look downfield, but they don't see. This kid seems to look downfield and see. So that is a big thing. And and I don't. Yeah. I hope that makes sense for people because yeah. people in the with vision in the pocket, it is, it's not something you can take for granted. I see a lot of quarterbacks in this league right now with vision downfield, and they don't see a thing. It is cloudy, and that's yeah. a bad feeling. And I don't see that from Brock Purdy at all. I think he's a pretty yeah. decisive decision maker, and he's not one that's aired too many times, and I only think he's going to get better. Yeah, outstanding for the 49ers if that's the case. Isn't that the way it goes, Randy? You do everything you can to get this guy or that guy, and then something just happens and you've got a different guy. <laughs> you know why you don't know? Because you don't know when the lights are bright. There are many players that we've been around that in practice, the guy doesn't wow me at all. I I see him. I say, okay, he's all right. I mean, I understand the skills. I see some stuff there. But when the lights come on bright, some people can take it to the next level. And you see that in any industry, any business. When people get an opportunity, they either shine, they wilt, they grow into it. One of those categories. And you see this quarterback in Brock Purdy that has shined when the pressure is on. And and that can't be duplicated in practice, so you don't know. Yeah, can you think of someone who was just horrible in practice and ended up being good? I'm just trying to go back and thinking of all the quarterbacks you had over the years. Or Well, I can think of like, one in particular myself because I wasn't one <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't one for in practice to wow anybody. I was five foot 10, I had an average arm, but I just uh, know when the lights came on, and, yeah, and it's been the it. same in, in my front office career. I just think some of us, when we get an opportunity, you can shine. And you don't know until the lights are brightest. And yeah. some people just operate better within chaos, within the pocket, within whatever. Yeah. And they can really prove themselves. So John Kitten, I'll give you that. John Kitten is one of those guys who we had in Seattle for years now. Those young guys probably won't remember him, but Google him. He only played about 15 years and threw a bunch of touchdowns and and yardage. And John was one of those guys that never wowed me at practice. But I always felt like when he was in the the game in the fourth quarter, we had a chance to win. Because I knew he'd be brightest in the fourth quarter when the drives meant the most, that he would not pee his pants, so to speak. I knew what we had. And, And so that's a hard one to duplicate until you really get him in that position. 
Well, the reason you didn't look good in practice is because you were watching those Warren Moon spirals. There's nothing well, prettier than there's something to be said <laughs> for that. Warren and, the ball. and Warren was top notch too, as we all know. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah he learned yeah, from yeah, some good ones. There. Yeah. Yep. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you change. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, in Arizona, the Cardinals hire Monty Austin Ford as general manager. Uh, Mike Bidwell, the owner of the Cardinals, goes outside the building for someone who has been with John Robinson in Tennessee, been with Bill Belichick in New England. So he's done a lot of winning. I was looking at that like – I. I don't know if he's got 17 years places. It's something like 15 winning seasons or yep. a lot of winning, four championships with uh, with the Patriots. And I thought, interestingly, his first quote, at least that I saw, that people sing- singled out, that, that was passed around, was that egos will not be tolerated in the building there. I thought that was an interesting reference given sort of the, you know, some of the drama they've had around there with Kyler Murray, uh, the, the head coach, all of that last season. What do you make of that hiring for Arizona? I like it a lot. I've known Monty a long time. I know he's a solid football acronym uh, that comes with him. He's a hard worker. Um, he's not a me guy. He's not all about me at all. I, I really like these guys that are getting these opportunities that don't make it about them. He'll be a good team guy and a partner for whoever the coach is he des- who he desires. And you're right. He comes from good stock. Uh, a lot of mixed results for guys that have come from the New England way. Uh-huh. But I think Monty's a little different. You know, he left there a few years ago and went to the Titans. Um, he saw probably pros and cons as to how it affected John Robinson. 
And who knows, maybe John Robinson ends up as the assistant GM in Arizona or something like that because of that. My question probably would be how much rope does he really have in Arizona? Because as, as we've talked about, the elephant in the room is Kyler Murray. And do we have to hire a, a, a coach and a system that works for him? Or can we hire the best coach and the best system and then see if Kyler can fit into that? So that's the mark of demarcation in regard to any hires, whether it's GM or coach, is that how much rope do we have with Kyler Murray? I've said on this show, and you've asked me about it, I'd want to know, are there any platforms for jumping off with Kyler Murray? And I'm going to try to make it work with him. But at some point, if it's not, I want to be able to jump off when I can. And I want to know, can I explore other options? So these are probably questions that Michael Bidwell and Monty had before he got there. And then who are there any sacred cows in the building? Do we have to go with the, you know, anybody, whether it's Vance Joseph or any of these other guys with regard to their own jobs that they have right now? Forget the head job. That's, that's a place that I would want to have those decisions and those questions answered before I took the job. Yeah, my only reservation with Monty is that he was a small college quarterback coming out. Is that something that can be overcome in scouting, Randy, do you think? <laughs> Probably uh, not. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> yeah. kidding because yeah, he's know. a Minnesota Morris guy, yep. Randy Linfield We've college guy, so yeah. that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> that, that's really cool. I remember um, we were together one time at, at University of Michigan, and we were watching. We were on the f- sidelines for a game, yeah. and this is scout talk, right? But yeah, yeah. we're on the sidelines, and and uh, might even have been a bowl game, but it was when Michigan was having – when Michigan was struggling and yeah. it wasn't the Michigan that we've seen. And I remember yeah. we were both standing on the sidelines and we watched Michigan come out and they're getting ready to go through warmups and we're body typing the offensive lineman, the defensive lineman. And we both kind of looked at each other and we said, where's Michigan? I thought Michigan played today because <laughs> these guys weren't up to standards that we had seen yeah. before. So I know he has a sense of humor as well, but yeah. he also yeah. knows what a player looks like. I can tell you that. And, and he'll do a good job in, in finding guys that look good getting off the bus as well as being good players. Yeah, I'll be really interested to see who they hire as head coach. Obviously, yep. Vance Joseph's in the mix, Frank Reich, uh, Brian Flores, D'Amico Ryans have all been mentioned. Sean Payton's been mentioned. I don't know that I see that. Yeah, I don't uh, know. If we're going to have no egos in the building, yeah. um, <laughs> you probably are going to have somebody who's uh, less, you know, you know, less skins on the wall and and. and glitzy possibly or well uh, don't forget they're paying the gm they're paying a coach already for several years at top dollar so yeah absolutely so i guess i was sometimes the gm comes in and there's like a holdover coach that you stay for a year and you sort of get some time to buy but i guess in this situation he's they're going to be hiring somebody if it's vance joseph um there's some continuity would you do you care about that coming as a GM? Do you want a fresh start, get it new? Are you okay with the holdover? Does it depend? Is that something that could be meaningful depending yeah. on who they hire? I think it's a great question. And in I think it depends case to case, just my opinion. I think it depends yeah. on each case. In this case, I see Arizona as having to be probably slightly more than a retool. So I wouldn't yeah. be worried about it. He needs to find the people he trusts and thinks are good. And again, you've got to be good teachers. And I'm not saying the guys that are there now are not. Right. But right. he ought to be afforded to hire guys who he wants, who he understands, who maybe he has a shared vision with and knows already. Here's the deal. When you hire coaches, uh, especially a head coach, and then he hires his staff, there, I think there is benefit to hiring people who everybody says, oh, we hire your buddies or you hire people you work with. You know the reason that happens? It's true that some take that to a different level and it yeah. haunts them. It's also true that 
if you're familiar with these guys, you can hit the ground running and there's no learning curve. You, ex- you know exactly what you're doing. Yep. It happened to me when I was in New Orleans. One of the reasons I hired Jim Hazlitt is because I knew that he would be willing, because I knew him from, a, from a, a, quite a ways before that, I knew that he would be willing to put the rest of his world aside for about five months because that's what it was going to take. It was an all-inclusive rebuild from the ground yep. up. And I needed a partner that, it sounds crazy and it's stupid because you almost got to put your family and everything aside for four or five months. And I knew Jim would do that. So yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's- going to be all in with you. Yeah, you got to be all in. You got to live it. And if you know each other and if you've talked about players and vision and schemes before, I sure like the idea of the familiarity leading you to hitting the ground running and having no learning curve. But let's face it, when these guys take these jobs, whether they hire a coach now or halfway through January, free agency is going to be here in no time. You've got to also decide on your own players. And so if you have a history of discussing these things already, which a lot of guys do in the league, I think it's very helpful. So do you see this as a New England hire at all? Or do you see Monty? I know you said he's a little different from that, but I just on that spectrum of, let's just say, Belichick is a 10, right? And then mm-hmm. a zero would be all the way in the opposite direction. I would say Nick Casario is a seven, right? On that, wouldn't you say he's he's in that where or eight? Monty, yeah, 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 seven or eight. Is Monty a, a five or a six or yes, something? Yes, like I that? think you've got him pegged perfectly. I think he's his own man. He's taken the positives from there. He's he would he's not strictly a, a New England guy. He I think he understands why they've had success there, but he also yeah. understands things that they've struggled with there. So yes, I wouldn't consider this the pure, you know. Uh, Eric Mangini or, or somebody else that came out of there, you know, uh, who had been there their whole time. Monty's going to be his own man and put in his own system. And I think that bodes well for, for Arizona. I kind of like Frank Reich there a little bit. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I, I mean, here's I, why. I'll, Can I just interrupt for one yeah, second? Yeah, yeah, tell me. Because of his open-mindedness and his array of being able to do things with different people. I, I do like that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, that's what I was going to ask you. It's like uh, That's just sort of an instinct of mine that... Uh, there's some other ones that would be fascinating, you know. Uh, I mean, Brian Flores going in there is very strong, and then have Kyler's situation that could be, uh, you know. But I think, you know, I think from an offensive standpoint, uh, and maybe a temperament standpoint with the, yes. uh, the GM, with the quarterback, and the GM. Yeah. yeah, just it's just interesting. I guess I. I would be thinking about how do I want to sort of address this Kyler thing? And there'd be yep. one way would be to be a little bit more, uh, a little bit older school, a, a yep. little bit firmer, a little mm-hmm. bit, hey, we're going to win this game on defense anyway. So, yep. and that was, you know, Brian Flores in Miami, strong, kind of stern, you get that impression, but the defense is squared away. I mean, yep. they played good defense the whole time. Obviously didn't handle the offensive coaching and all of that very well. He probably would do a better job this time uh, right. of having that set up. But it would be jarring, potentially, for Kyler Murray, in my opinion. It jarring. would be at the other end of the spectrum. And that's why I think maybe even – and I like Brian. I think he would be a uh, good yeah. choice because I, he, I, yeah. he'd post everybody up. But the, I think I, Frank I is somewhere like in the middle. Yeah. yeah, but but I would, I would I'm just thinking from a handling Kyler Murray, what, does Kyler Murray need tough love? Does Kyler Murray need, need – to be, uh, you know, uh, comforted? Does Tyler, Kyler Murray need – does that matter in this when we're making this higher if you are – because you, you're with you're with Kyler for the next year or two. It, it, it's not an easy out right away. Does this coach – I guess would you want would you want someone harder on Kyler or softer on Kyler? 
or <laughs> more agreeable? Well, I'll tell you what I'd like is an offense that I believe in that I know can work yeah. and, and yeah. has a system and scheme yeah. in place, not just calling plays. I think Kyler has gonna, Kyler is going to have to acquiesce to whatever the coach wants at this point. Yeah, he's got his money. I get it. But yeah. I think he's going to have be the one with something to prove. Now, if they hire a young, unproven coach, then Kyler has the hammer again, and it's a struggle to, to get what you want. But I think any way you look at this, and, and people say, well, Kyler and, and uh, Cliff Kingsbury got sideways a little bit. I, I think you got to be careful if you're Kyler as to be careful what you wish for. Because it would be a guy like Brian Flores would, like I say, post him up. It would be accountability beyond anything he's ever had. I don't know if Kyler can handle that. I really don't. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. But yeah. from what we've seen, body language and the negativity and the other things that he shows on the field, that'd be hard because I don't think Brian Flores would take that. I think Frank At might all. be a little better with it. But in the end, that would wear Frank out. So I, I don't know. These are all discussions. I, I would rather get the correct coach for the other 51 or 52 guys and, and hope Kyler fits in because there's more to it than that. I'm yeah. not going to do everything yeah, yeah. to fit Just Kyler Murray Kyler. into this peg, to be honest. No, but yeah. But you have to sort of go forward with him a little bit. So I, what I was thinking was somebody in that organization, and I'm guessing the owner had to be part of it, wanted that clause in Kyler's contract. No question. That said, this guy's got to work. right? So and they, somebody leaked it out. It wasn't Kyler. No, but it was going to get out because once the contract goes to the league office, all, a contract of that magnitude, all the agents look at it because they want to see, ooh, what did he get? So when they do their deals, so that was going that was going to come out. Uh, now maybe they didn't think that thing through, but yeah. but uh, that didn't think it through, right? That is, you know, that to me almost shows an aggressive move already. You know, an aggressive move towards him already. So I think it'll be fascinating. I'm sure Monty Osborne will have a. You know, getting the fit with him is going to be critical too. So we'll see where that goes. But there's just a lot. That's just an interesting one to me. Yep, I agree. Um, another move made: the Browns hired Jim Schwartz as defensive coordinator, which to me seems like a pretty amazing hire. You know, you could possibly look at the Browns situation and say, "Hey, Kevin Stefanski might be entering a winner else season with all the expectations on Deshaun Watson." So, you know, does every defensive coordinator going to want to sign on in a place where? Uh, it's not year one for everybody. The clock right. is ticking, right? That's that staff, that head coach could be under some pressure. So I wondered if Schwartz at this stage of his career is, you know, just more concerned with who he's working with. I thought about Stefanski kind of being an Ivy league guy. Schwartz has, I think an economics degree or something from Georgetown, yeah. um, you know, and shoot, maybe, maybe there is great potential to get this thing going anyway, but that, that one kind of was an interesting hire to me. I kind of perked up. Yeah, I think it's a good hire, actually. And I think all for the reasons that you mentioned, I think there, there's some good fits there. Uh, obviously, I think educational pedigree matters with the hiring people in Cleveland. So he does fit with that. I think, yeah. like I said, he's an aggressive, he's a confident play caller. He has a scheme that has proven to work. I don't think, and again, maybe I'm all wet, but I don't think Kevin Stefanski's on the hot seat. I really don't. Okay. I think he's going to be there for two or three years. I think the commitment that him and uh, Barry have as the GM and coach to each other. I don't think that has soured at all. Oh, I think no. They've got to do a better job maybe of identifying and setting their criteria for adding talent uh, on both sides of the ball. So we'll see. But I think Jim Schwartz sees this as a solid place regardless of how they uh, took a yeah. step back last year. That's just my opinion. 
Yeah, and I, well, I, I wasn't at all questioning the you know the how solid Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski are. I mean, I think you can just see that what listening to them talk. But I, I do in the back of my mind have that owner is still being there. You yeah. know, and you never know the owner. That's fair. I think the owner made him do Deshaun Watson probably, and yeah, I don't know. You know, if they have a disappointing year, you never know uh, what could happen in a place like Cleveland. I think in a place like that, periodically you are reminded who the owner is. You know, when yeah. the owner is bad or volatile or, or whatever. And there is a track record there with that owner that uh, has to be a little, has to be in the back of my mind anyway. But the educational pedigree thing mattering is, uh, that's a great point, because they interviewed Sean Desai as well. He's got an undergraduate degree from Boston University. He's got a master's from Columbia, a doctorate from, Temp- from Temple. So I think he was even a professor at one point. So Are you saying uh, our Whitworth and Linfield degrees don't match up? Is that what uh, you're saying? No, I, yeah, exactly. I thought, you know, the school degree in the school of hard knocks isn't going to no. get you into. Uh, What's the motto you that I went to? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. But uh, uh, it was funny. I was talking to, to, to a coach about Jim Schwartz, and he goes, hey, I think Schwartz might be the only defensive coordinator who doesn't even use a call sheet. So he, yeah. he said, hey, if there's, if there's 20 calls on, on – if, if you're on your 21st, third and one of the year, he remembers the previous 20. That's <laughs> Jim Schwartz. He's a pretty <laughs> sharp guy is what, I hear is what yeah. it is. So uh, I just think that's a – also from a credibility standpoint, you know, whatever was going on there last year, I, sometimes this just happens. But, you know, uh, Miles Garrett had things to say. Jadavian Clowney yeah. thing had se- things to say. There were points during the year when players said things that, you know, were sort of indicative of, yep. I don't know if losing a, the, the trust or something. But so you bring in Jim Schwartz, who's been a head coach. People should know that he's he's established. So right. maybe it's easier to come in. And Kevin Stefanski doesn't have to worry about that side of the ball. He's got a head coach of the defense now, someone right. who's been a head coach. And uh, people aren't going to question And I also think their philosophical vision is probably aligned, whether one's on one side of the ball or the other. I just think they're, they seem of similar ilk into what Mm -hmm. it takes to win games. So that probably helped the marriage happen as well. Yep. Yep. Uh, Another one, the Chargers fired Joe Lombardi, offensive coordinator. Uh, You had said all along, Randy, of course, you spent 10 years or so with the Chargers that they were not going to fire Brandon Staley as head coach. And you know I take everything you say as gospel. I would never question it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I felt dumb doing this. But when it was 27 nothing, you know, the, uh, uh, they were looking good to beat Jacksonville. But then all of a sudden, they're losing that game. I actually, I actually texted Randy. I was like, all right, you still, uh, you know, how confident are you on this thing? And you still came back and said you were, uh, you were unwavering on that, <laughs> that they were going to keep him instead. Of course, instead, though, they fired the offensive coordinator. Um, so... We talked earlier about sometimes when the you know there's certain things like the squirrel in the yard, my dog gets the hackles up. Is this one? Is this a hackle up for Mueller on what's going on there, or what do you what do you think? Well, I don't know if it's a hackle up. It's it's been yeah. the mo. History is repeating itself. I think when Mike McCoy was the head coach, and, I, and you're right, I was there ten years. Mike McCoy was our head coach. I think the coordinator got fired the year before. Might have been Frank Reich at the time. Anthony Lynn became the coach. The year before he got fired, the offensive coordinator got fired. And so this would be a third time where, uh, and again, I don't know what Brandon Staley's future is, but they fire the offensive coordinator again. So they give swings to head coaches that most franchises don't. I will say that. And a lot of that is is based a couple reasons. Some of it might be financial. Um, some might be the decision makers and the people that hired them aren't ready to, to admit 
they may be wrong. So that's all part of it. And, and I'm not being critical of it. Those are all just facts. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think Joe Lombardi's a good coach. I'll be honest with you. I like him. I've known about him. Obviously, my ties to the Saints, and, and he's been in and out of there twice. This is the second time he's been fired as an offensive coordinator, but I know this. He's a good coach. Did did I miss something, or did Joe Lombardi decide to play these starters week 18 and get Mike Williams' back injured and, and really linger and not be have him available in the playoffs? I don't think so. So I'd be shocked if, no. if they blame Joe, Joe Lombardi for that. So there's other things to blame. At some point, and we say this, it seems like every year about the Chargers, they kind of win the offseason. Everybody's darling to pick them to go to the playoffs. The AFC West was the greatest division ever when the season started, and all these teams were going to do this and that. And it seems like they never meet expectations for whatever reason. I don't, I think I have a, a, an idea why. I'm not really ready to say it here, but the, the expectations just never get fulfilled, and that's a hard thing. Um, whether they hold the coach accountable, I don't know. I, I know this, that if they hired another coach, it'd be the fourth coach they've hired in, well, I don't know if you count Norv, it'd be four coaches in 13 years. So that's a lot of coaching hires that haven't worked out for whatever hey, reason. And, and so, by the way, since 2002, here's their quarterbacks. Breeze, 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 rivers, 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 hmm. rivers, rivers. It's not a broken record. Rivers, 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 Herbert, Herbert, Herbert. You think you could do okay with that? <laughs> yeah, I'd like I'd like to sign up for that. I was there for a few of those uh, rivers, rivers, rivers. Um, I haven't been there for the Herbert stuff, but I see big-time talent there. And for whatever reason, it just hasn't equated to anything of a deep run at all. So maybe it's the rest of the team. Obviously, it's the rest of the team and, and the roster they put oh, yeah. together. Because it's just, at some point, we are what we are, as Bill Parcells used to say, right? At some point, you you are what your record says you are. Yeah, yeah. So it's just not being good enough. At least this year they moved up to second in the division, and I think it's no shame to be second to the Chiefs in that division. That's a that's a I great. Agree. They're they're the cream of the crop, but they haven't won the division since '09, so that's a long time to go. Why are people you're... talking about the coach should be fired if everything's hunky dory? That's the that's the hard part. It's because they haven't yeah. reached expectations, like I said, in my opinion. Yep. yep, absolutely. So maybe big picture, you know, they missed the playoffs last year. They make it this year, but yeah, they that might really, see that as progress. That's right. They might see that as progress, or at least not some big. A huge step back. Maybe they can talk about, you know, uh, whatever injuries, this or that. Oh, you're right. The Mike Williams one at the end of the year was. Uh, really, it was coaching uh, malpractice to roll those guys out there. I don't see any way that makes sense to me. And I'm not one mm -hmm. to be that critical that quickly. But tell me what makes sense about rolling those guys out there when he did and, and putting those guys in can't, harm's way. You can't do it. That's can't why do most, it. That's why I think people who weren't as familiar with the lay of the land there thought, well, he's going to be fired, right? You can't survive. Right. Yeah, you can't do that. that decision and yeah. then have yourself lose that kind of a lead uh, and in the second half. The, the thing that I would like to see for them is just develop some kind of a running game. You know, that, that's really stood out a little bit in the second half when they were trying to, you know, you'd like to be able to sit on the ball. They just couldn't get anything going. I don't know if that's Joe Lombardi's or the – you know, one thing that there is – you know, the offensive line coach is a big deal for that too, and that there's there's been some change there. So maybe maybe whoever they get can get that squared away because I think that would real that helps any quarterback, but that really could help Justin Herbert, um, especially in some of those games they're trying to close out. So I don't disagree. I'm not sure yeah. the right parts are together up there, and yeah. that could be another yeah. you know box they need to check as well. All right, before we get to the GM notebook. 
Um, you know, the Lamar Jackson situation has been yeah. lingering. We've talked about that. I don't know how much new ground there was, but I've been a little critical of John Harbaugh, I think, down the stretch. I'm sure he covets uh, my advice. Uh, he's probably listening <laughs> right now. But really, throughout the saga, I felt that he had opportunities to kind of put it to rest. Even if you don't mean it, you, you could certainly say, hey, everybody, there's nothing to talk about here with Lamar Jackson. He's rehabbing. When he's ready, he'll be ready to go. He's working hard, but we're not going to put anyone out there before they're 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 ready and just sort of take away the idea that Lamar Jackson might be maybe missing these games even though he could come back cuz I always had the impression from what John Harbaugh said that he was coming back sooner and then he's not coming back and not coming back and then at the end of the season he misses the playoff game and it feels like the situation is maybe a little bit more inflamed we've seen you know more social media stuff from Lamar too you know that's kind of the the way it goes now to where he puts out something kind of cryptic talking about, hey, the thing, you know, when you have something good, you better value it or if you want it to do good by you and all that type of stuff here. So I almost feel like, um, you know, at this point, Harbaugh's kind of got to come out and say, this is our guy and there's nothing to see here going on the offseason. I think he does have his press conference scheduled. Uh, for this week, maybe on Thursday. He hasn't talked yet since after the season, but it's kind of a long time to let this thing linger, isn't it? It is, but I don't know what you want him to say. I, okay. I don't think he's going to say, we're going to give Lamar a fully guaranteed contract and no. we made a mistake. And The the Ravens have been run very soundly for many years. Yeah. They yeah. are one of the few teams who sticks to their principles. They're not going to make exceptions. They're conscious of setting club precedent that's going to hurt yeah. them down the road as far as negotiating goes, and I respect them for that. Um, I, I think it one thing that has changed since last week is Lamar came out and said publicly and gave his interpretation of the injury and what's going on. That would never happen if the if they were on the same page, Mike. That's that's about as far from club policy as one would ever go or want. If yeah. in, if indeed the Ravens had believed in that, they probably would have said something themselves, like you said, and Harbaugh would have mentioned that, hey, he's just not ready. And and he he didn't say that. I think you're right. He thought he was ready, which tells me their medical people have a different perspective of where Lamar's injury is. I yeah. think the relationship is frayed, no question. I don't know that he comes back there, but if Lamar's intent is to get a fully guaranteed deal, I'm pretty confident that it won't be with the Baltimore Ravens. So I don't know what that means at the end of the day, whether they tag him, move him, whatever. The other thing is, with it comes, and we've talked about this at nauseum, his style, it can be reckless. I get it, but it also can be explosive. So that's good. All of the pressure that seems to be coming out right now and, and hammering the Ravens, in my opinion, has come from a lot of former players who are analysts now. They've kind of came out and said the Ravens are idiots. If I was Lamar, I wouldn't play. They got to do what's right by the kid. The last time I checked, didn't they offer him 40-some million a year with a bunch of guarantees? So he had yeah. a chance to put this to rest, too. <clears throat> it's not all on the lap of the Ravens. Now, obviously, ex-players are going to see it from the player's point of view. I'm going to see it a little more from the club's point of view. But it's a two-edged sword when negotiations broke down. And I go back to this point, Mike, and remember we talked about it. You remember in preseason when they said they were done negotiating and they were going to come back and, and yeah. do something later? The Ravens put out a release. I'm, I'm saying before they hung up the phone with Lamar that stated their case, and that never happens either. Just said, hey, we're done negotiating, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We'll pick it up yeah. later. He's our guy. Boom. They wanted it ended. They wanted it done. 
And from that point on, I've thought, I don't know how this is going to go. Because you would really never jump on that per se like they did. I don't know. I think we could be sitting here and talking about this in the near future of the Mars done with the Ravens. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be fascinating to see. It feels the, the, the component of this that I think has made it harder is the absence of an agent. I think that it's these definitely things, difficult. It's very yes. personal, you know, yes. and it'd be much easier to have that conversation, the hard conversations with the agent without the player, you know, having it go to him directly. I don't know. Most most people can't handle that. Yes. <laughs> right. I mean, it takes a lot. It's of really why people have agents, and a lot of times it's not just the negotiating; it is being an advocate and a communicator with the team at all times, and that is really hard to do when it's family, and it's a different yeah. set of dynamics. That's all. It's personal. It's inherently yes. Everything's personal. personal. Right. Where this can, from a Raven standpoint, this is always mostly business. It's not 100% per- all the time. the team standpoint, it's business. Almost everything's business. Sure, you get some personal things. But for the most part, it's business. And there'll be a new set of players next year, right? Yep. <laughs> You're in business. Yep. But for the player, it's their career. It's everything. It's how we're being treated. It's it's respect. Right. It's it's how could you make that offer. It's who you're listening to. And yep. it's being 25, 26 years old, right? Which yep. is, uh, you know, young. Uh, you know, and, and you don't have experience in these matters. And he, you might have anyone's going to have a different viewpoint or a perspective on things when they're 40 or, 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 or whatever. So I think that's an interesting component of this too. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we can wrap that up there on the Ravens. We'll see what happens there. We'll see what John Harbaugh says at his uh, news conference. First one since their close loss to Cincinnati in the playoffs without Lamar Jackson. Let's dive into the GM notebook. What do you got there, Randy? Well, a couple of three things, actually. And I'm going to stay away from the games. I'm sure we have analyzed the games forever. But a couple of things to me that have happened since then. One was uh, game-related, and we all saw uh, the meltdown of the Cowboys kicker, Brett Maher, missing four extra points in that game the other night. Um, yeah. Everybody screaming that he needs to get a Apple and a bus ticket and move on, and and uh, they should cut him and blah blah blah. It was blah. amazing. I mean, it was amazing. I agree. I don't think I've ever seen it. And in fact, I saw a note from Elias that they put out. It hadn't happened since 1932, so wow. it is amazing because <laughs> it's the first time it's ever happened in our lifetime. So no need to go back and check it out. It's it, it's something none of us have seen. But to that end, I kind of thought where I thought. I would know where Mike McCarthy was going to weigh in. And sure enough, they did not cut Brett Maher. They're not going to. 
I think when you do that, and I've been part of an instable kicking situation before where it turns into revolving kickers and you, the next guy misses and then we're, then it's turned into a total mess. So they believe in Dallas that they have the right kicker. They believe that his year this year, which was actually a really good year, is going to come back to, he's going to come back to that body of work. They think this is a one-off night and I don't disagree. But one thing I do like is they brought in kickers to work out and they signed one to the practice squad, Tristan Vizcaino, a guy that's been around looking for a job and has had jobs in the NFL. So it's like, we're going to put you on notice, Maher, but we're going to keep you. And uh, we'll just see if this happens again or if there's any slippage at all. We've got a guy that we've watched kick down in front of us for a week or two who's on the practice squad. I thought it was a pretty astute yeah, move by yeah. the Cowboys. So I want to, I've always wondered this. You know, I've, I've kind of always said that when a, you know, when a kicker goes bad, people just get a new one. It's not like they go out there and fix his grip like a golfer. They, no one knows what to do other than they just know he's missing. So when, if it's Tuesday in the NFL and your guy just missed three kicks and so, all right, we're having tryouts, we bring some guys in. Uh, and we're going to stand on the practice field. If you're standing on the practice field, Randy, watching a kick, are you just watching if it goes in, or is there something, ooh, I really like that guy's hip movement through the ball. What Are kickers analyzed? They are analyzed. People have experts that do analyze them. I know when I was in Miami, we had a guy, Steve Hoffman, who I'm not sure he might even still be in the league somewhere, yeah, who yeah. was a kicker himself and mm-hmm. analyzed kickers and punters for me and could break yep. it down computer-generated, uh, schematically and I loved it. I thought it was outstanding. So yes, you can analyze them. Most of these kickers have personal coaches as well that work with them as specialists in the off season. So I would definitely consult them. Um, yeah, you're looking for results without a doubt, but I think more than anything, you're looking for a mindset. So if you were looking for help, you might hire a shrink or something like that to talk to them because that's the big thing. They're physically not going to lose it. I thought last week's his, his, explanation was that, hey, uh, it might have been the yips. It just got the best of me. I get it. But let's see if he can come out of that. So I understood putting some pressure on him by working out some guys. I just don't think anybody wants to go start a revolving door and make it a kicker's tryout every Tuesday. And that's what you're afraid of when you make these moves. And, And he also, I know the kind of guy Mike McCarthy is, he wants to back his players for the most part. They did win the game. I think that helps. It really wasn't close. This guy didn't cost us the game. And so I thought there was relatively decent chance that they would keep him regardless of what comes from the fans or the analysts on TV. So it kind of worked out like I thought. I didn't anticipate them putting a guy in the practice squad. I thought it was a good move. Yep. Steve Hoffman, by the way, is with the Falcons. He's there you with go. the Falcons. He was, he was with the Cowboys a long way back. He was at the University yep. of Miami. Was he at the Miami with Dennis Erickson? Uh, I don't know that. He was with us at the Dolphins, so um, good coach. Yeah, really serves a specific purpose that most of us don't know a lot about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it says here in his bio, prior to his time in the NFL, Hoffman spent four seasons, 85 to 80, at the University of Miami as a kicking coach, where he coached Jeff Fiegels. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Fiegels. I see <laughs> yep. him every once in a while when we go back to a game with the Giants. Great guy. Um, yeah, great guy. Yeah. He was he was Seahawks punter late 90s when I came on the beat there. I remember uh, we paid him a million dollars, Mike, and I didn't sleep for three weeks. I said, this is crazy. I can't believe we're doing this. But we had had some problems, and I don't, I forget what the year was. And I remember the whole deal came out to a million dollars. And I'm thinking, wow, what is this world coming to? We paid a punter a million bucks. I must be losing it. But it Dennis was worth guy, every penny. 
Yeah. Probably Dennis's guy. He was great. He could dominate a game with the yes. coffin corner stuff. He could put that thing down there. I remember I remember a game actually at the Giants one time where he had him pinned down there at like the three yep. yard line every time. It was yep. unbelievable. So Figs, if you're out there, hello. I hope you're doing well. <laughs> Randy Mueller helped put your kids through college. Uh, what's the number two item in the GM notebook? The other thing that I thought was a little peculiar because we don't see this often is Dolphins assistant coach Daryl Bevel turned down a chance to interview for the commander's yeah. OC job and the Jets OC job. So hmm. it just made me think, what what's up? Why would you do that? Um, is the coach there on thin ice? Is it that you don't think you could be allowed to do your deal? Is it the quarterbacks are a mess? You know, I don't know, but there's some carryover between both those offenses and the history they've had the last couple of years. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting because we all know Daryl Bevel being a Seattle guy. He was their coach for, for a long time. Yeah. Um, I know he wants to be a coordinator again. I just thought it was interesting that he said, no, I'm good. Our season's over. And usually no one would turn down those interviews, but he turned down two of them for whatever reason. You might know. Yeah. I don't well, know. Well, this would be my theory. I uh, this would be my theory on it. Number one, I would not go to the Commanders if I had another job because Ron Rivera just completely botched the Wentz thing. They're they're talking about Sam Howell starting next year. They yeah, don't have a crazy. plan yeah, at quarterback. Yeah, right. I mean, they just fired Scott Turner when basically they're it's covering for Ron Rivera, in my opinion, because if mm -hmm. Ron Rivera went and got the quarterback, do you think that? I can't imagine that the coaches there were like, God, get us Carson Wentz, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I can't imagine they got him because of Scott Turner. So right. uh, that was not a good – that's not a good situation. Ron Rivera could be going into his last year. There's going to be an ownership right. change. I could definitely see that. Uh, the Jets won, I mean, maybe a little bit of the same. You're, you're, you're in a, you could be going to a, a coach who's under the gun next season. Uh, you know, if, if they weren't to win, they don't have a – necessarily the quarterback situation, you know, in order. And then the other thing is, I think for Daryl Bevel, uh, would another year of kind of getting that Shanahan offense down and just having that a little bit to add to your business card instead of just one year, but it's like, hey, I've run this offense and now I'm kind of a kind of a Shanahan. There's yeah. there's you know, because a different league, lineage, yeah, different attached lineage. to a different lineage, yeah, yeah. And Daryl Bevel has in the past been mentioned, I think he interviewed for a head coaching job once with Arizona. Yep. He's been a little bit on the periphery of, of that of that mix. And so, why go into a bad situation? And he may like working with Mike McDaniel and he may be yep. having fun. And look, they made the playoffs, and we'll see what they do at the quarterback if they're going to be two or, or whatever, but. He's 53. He's not 63 or 73. So he maybe he's reinventing himself here a little bit uh, with Mike McDaniel, and he thinks the offense is really cool. Yeah. And uh, that's not a bad association to have, right? No, I think those are all great points. Uh, I wish oh. I had thought of them myself. But Shit, I, I, we I have the Sando journalist notebook. Yeah, in we here. need to have a journalist notebook, no doubt. That's pretty good. <laughs> so I just thought it was peculiar that he turned down both. That doesn't happen, but you're, you're, yeah, you're, you've made great sense of it for me. So. Yeah. I'm happy what else to, you happy to be a part of yeah, it. I finally made a point. <laughs> the last yeah. point I had in here was just a generalization. And it really, I had put down in my notes, Tom Brady, mm -hmm. question mark. Ah, uh, yeah. We didn't even talk, talk no. about that. That would normally be in the journalist notebook. Let's talk about Brady. But what okay. do you got? Yeah, yeah. well, I'm just saying, I've been asked on a few radio shows this week, what do you think is going to happen with Tom, this or that? I don't know what's going to happen with him. So I'm just yeah. going to give you from my heart what I hope happens. 
I hope yeah. he retires <laughs> because I just want to remember Tom as being the greatest of all time. And I thought I saw a lot of struggles this year for him with yeah. regard to yeah. off the field, on the field. I just, he, he's such a, a, a good person publicly that I just thought it took, it took some knocks. It took some hits. People are questioning yeah, his commitment. Yeah, came off. His frustration showed. I just don't need to see Tom Brady like that. I want to remember all the Super Bowls. I want to remember the good side. So I'm just selfishly answering my own question. Yeah. And, and my question then leads to what's next? Would I have an interest in Tom Brady as a GM somewhere? Right. Because it sounds like he's maybe played, maybe that one's played out in Tampa. No doubt. And, and I thought, well, my first criteria would be, having watched him play this year, I would only have interest if it were this. If I was really looking to change culture, if I really wanted to add intangibles, if I really was struggling to get players on board with the plan and the vision, and that came brought me back to one spot. I know where it is. Yeah. It's warm there. I know. And they have slot machines and, and yeah. other crazy, crazy things there. Yeah. That's the only place that I think it makes sense because it's a natural fit with Josh uh, McDaniel. But they have, they're struggling a little bit to build culture. They're struggling with all the things that I think Tom can help. Tom's peripheral is just not playing. So maybe you go there. Josh says, hey, for a year I can make this work with him. I already know his strengths. I know his weaknesses. He's going to help us sell our program to everybody in town and everybody in the league. So that, to me, might make sense. Um, I just don't want to see him go yeah. out limping. I don't want to see him limp out and limp into retirement. Yeah, and so you know, you had raised some questions during the year about how he was playing, and it didn't yeah. look quite the same. And you know, I I don't know if you thought in this last game it looked like he was a little shy of the pressure sometimes. Yes, right? I didn't like it. I just Standing didn't want there. to see that. I didn't want to it see did. it. I'm in denial. Yeah, exactly. And shoot, I'm old enough to remember Muhammad Ali's late fights and stuff. Yeah, Those sad thing. watching him against Trevor Burbick and these yeah. guys. He could have just absolutely dominated, you know. Yeah. And he's and they're working him over. Yep. Corner. Okay. Larry Holmes is tagging him. All of that, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's just ugly. You know, yeah, that's I not. Agree. But but I don't feel like Tom Brady was like that this year. I think he was a little bit more, uh, you know, a few years before that for Ali, where he could still get up and outlast Ernie Shavers, right? He might yeah. take a few shots on the chin, but in the end, he he could still do it. Uh, that is a great fight, by the way. You should watch the 15th round of, of Ali Shavers. It's one of my favorites. I've watched it once in a while. Mike's a little fight aficionado. I go, oh, people I don't got, know that, okay? He's, oh, he's yeah, into yeah. that stuff, and I Absolutely. respect that. Well, the, along those lines, I should tell you sometime about the time that I watched the George Foreman uh, uh Tommy Morrison fight in my apartment with <laughs> Evil Knievel. With Evil Knievel? He was with in there Knievel. watching with you? That's a story. Sometime oh, my on gosh. The I can't wait to hear that one. That's you got to save that to where we got a lot I'll of time. I'll save that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll yeah, save that when we got awesome. more time. It's unbelievable. I'm not forget it. <laughs> I never knew him or met him. It was oh. unbelievable how it happened. All of a sudden, I'm in my apartment. I'm like 24 years old. Oh, Something like that, 23. Evil Knievel's in there. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I it's can't awesome. wait to hear this. So that would right. be a good story that, sometime. That's a tease but, for next week. Yeah, we're talking about Ali, Shavers. So we're <laughs> dating ourselves here, but I don't care. Um, so Picks. I think he did. Th well, I do think Brady plays, though. I do think oh, okay. he plays. I think I like the weaponry there in Vegas for him. you got to get the offensive line set up. And I want a commitment from him that yeah. he's in, that we're not going to see pouty face. Sure, if it's a terrible yeah. thing and somebody does <laughs> yeah. something wrong, but we can't have that every week. Right. You've got to be leading with it's excitement. Yeah, it's exhausting. You've got to be excited to be there yep. and really be all in and be rejuvenated or else we don't want it. And gain some weight and look a little healthier, okay? <laughs> eat some ice cream, not Come avocado. over and eat with yeah. uh, with us, you know. Come over. <laughs> yeah. 
So they come into Mark Davis's suite, you know, uh, and have some of those hors d'oeuvres, whatever. Enjoy so, right, life. We'll, enjoy life. We'll get to our picks. Last week we were both three, two, one. How about that? Three, two, yeah. and one. I won with your San... money. That'll make you money. Hey, I won with San Francisco, Jacksonville, and the Giants. Lost with Buffalo uh, in Tampa, which, God, that was bad, taking Tampa. Pushed with Cincinnati. <laughs> you won with San Francisco, Jacksonville, and Dallas. Lost with, Minis- with Buffalo and Minnesota and pushed with Cincinnati. So that's fine. I just like to be above 500 on that. I'll take that every time. Um, this week, we have got four games. We've got yep. Jacksonville is an uh, eight-and-a-half-point dog against Kansas City. We got the Giants are a seven and a half point dog against Philly. We got Cincinnati five point dog Buffalo, and Dallas three and a half. San Francisco, Mr. Mueller, lead us off. Well, let's just start. Let's start with the first game: Kansas City, Jacksonville. Let's go game by game. All right. I love to hear your explanations, by the way, especially after I give my piece, because you could go either way. And I know you went into this leaning on. There's a lot of points out there, and and that's. That, that's attractive to you. He can see my notes. I, yes. I, I totally attractive covered to my you. butt. Yeah. <laughs> you so like I put, points. You like I put, points. I do. At the, at the top of this, I put initial inclination is to take the road teams and the points, but I might flip with Kansas City <laughs> and San Francisco. I love that's it. before Randy sketched in his notes. So now I can kind of – GM notebook, you're standing on the sideline with the GM notebook, and I'm, I'm tall. I'm tall. I can look over <laughs> Mueller's shoulder. I can see what's on his notepad. I can see that you're planning to bring in a player for a workout Thursday. I got the story. I got the story. So uh, you're, you wrote in here, Kansas City overwhelms Jacksonville. And that probably pulls me in your direction. Oh, it probably does. What What do you think? I think Jacksonville won despite not playing good. I just yeah. think that's. I just don't think Trevor played good. I know he played good in the second half. Yeah, that worries me. Not a little ready bit. for prime time. Two no, weeks in a not row. Not ready for prime time. And I think playing the Chargers is one thing, but playing Kansas City is a whole other deal. And I just, I think it yeah. could be overwhelming for them. You and I both know because we went there for years. It is a really hard place to go yep. win a game. And it's going to be worse in the playoffs. Um, I just think Kansas City's rested. They've been playing well. I think it could be ugly early, and I don't know if they can stop the dam from breaking. Uh, just I like the, the Chiefs. That's a hard place to write a story. We had the, the roof cave in one time and, and in the rainstorm. Remember that rainstorm? When uh, when the Whitecaps were on the field? There's Whitecaps white on the caps. field. And uh, Warren Moon, I think, got his ribs jammed yep. up in that one. And the, the press box roof caved in water came in all over bill williamson's computer <laughs> bill was on the beat at the time just yeah, just daily so it's hard to write a story there it's hard to win a game there someday i'm going to tell you a story about that game we don't have time for it today but there is another story that i think is hysterical with regard to that i call it the uh, white cap game in kansas city so that dennis erickson was our coach it was awesome he and i laugh about it all classic. the time <laughs> yeah, it was a classic game, classic game. So uh, so we're both going to take Kansas City. I think you're right. I, I, I like the fact that you said they're bad. They were bad against the Chargers. I think they were bad against Tennessee. So yep, I agree. we're on Kansas City, and we're given the eight and a half. Um, Giants at Philly. I'm going to take the seven and a half with Dayball, Brian Dayball. Yep. What do you think? I'm with you. I think the Giants, uh, seven and a half is a lot. I think they're playing very well. I don't know that they can go and beat Philly. But I think it'll be respectable. I think it's going to be a close game. Philly's been leaking oil for about a month now, and I don't know, but maybe they'll have it all together. But I know this, these interdivision games, the Giants will have no fear. They'll have no fear of playing the Eagles. They've played them twice already. There won't be any secrets. Um, Those have become knockdown dragouts. And I don't even care who's won the first two games. The third one will be uh, 
you know, the Thrilla in Manila. It'll be the third one, and, and we'll see how Good it shakes reference. out, you know? Good 70s boxing reference. <laughs> Good, yep. Uh, I like that one, too. So I just like where the Giants are at. And some of those games last week that were division games, it was like, hey, Seattle's leading at halftime against the 49ers? Yep. How is that even possible? Buffalo's in a knockdown dragout with Miami. Yep. Well, there's a little bit of commonality sometimes with those teams that really know each other, and they just played recently, too. Yep. Um, okay, I'm going to take Cincinnati in five at Buffalo. Um, are you? Not, I understand it. I, I don't yeah. think that's crazy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Buffalo has been in a funk for whatever mm-hmm. reason. You can say it's the DeMar Hamlin stuff. I thought they would play better since his recovery has been on track. Yeah. But for whatever reason, it hasn't happened. I think Josh Allen has regressed slightly into a little more reckless Josh Allen. I see a guy that we're talking about quarterbacks who looks deep and doesn't see short. I would like to see him take some check downs. And like Mike McCarthy used to say, you can't go broke taking a profit. And, and Josh has risked a lot of throws, especially in the red zone. And that makes me nervous. But I just feel like they're going to bounce back. I think they're going to be good this week. Um, I'm going to take them, so we're going to differ yeah. on that game. Yeah. I'm going to take Buffalo and, and give you the five points. Yeah. The, one of the things about Kansas City, or Cincinnati didn't look that hot either last week, yes. but that was a division game against Baltimore, too. They yep. kind of have their number. They know how yep. to play them. You know, all that familiarity between the teams. So this one, there is some familiarity. Uh, but I think if Von Miller was playing for Buffalo, I would be on yep. the Bills. I, uh, I think that would really be a problem for, for Burrow and them in that game, but uh, we'll see. I think that's a good one. Uh, all right, so the last one I won't change my pick, even though you're going to be right. You're going to – that's unfair if I cheat over the GM notebook. <laughs> Why are you saying I'm, I'm going to be right? I don't know that. No, I will take the Dallas in the three and a half. I am a little oh. bit worried about it. I'm a little bit worried about it. You're nervous, um, huh? Just a little bit. I mean, I don't like that they had to play on Monday night, but I think there's talent on Dallas. Yep. And we'll just see. Didn't you say last week that Dan Quinn could have been holding back a little bit? I thought he, I thought he might have that? for the last month. Yeah. And so you've got Brock Purdy here, who we're singing his praises and agreed he's looked good. But no one has clean games all the time. Right. And I don't think – I think it's way too premature to say he's the next this or that. Uh, um, and so we'll see in yeah. this game against a much more talented team than Seattle with pass rushers, Micah yes. Parsons. Without a doubt. Uh, with all of that. I think it could potentially be a harder game. Uh, a harder game. I also liked Dak Prescott a little better in the Tampa game. Mm-hmm. You know, for as bad as they had looked before, and then he's had his downs this year. Yeah, maybe he's going to have one this week. I don't know. I, I think Dallas played it. as good as they could, Mike. I agree with everything yeah. you're saying. I mean, I yeah. love the way Dallas. And we said going in, we thought Dallas was a better team than Tampa. Well, I they played worried. like it. The problem yeah. I have with Dallas is they just don't play like it all the time. They're a better team than most of the teams they play, except maybe uh-huh. this week. I don't know they're a better team than the 49ers are. And that's what makes me nervous. I just can't trust Dallas to come back and do again. This has been their MO all season to let us down. Yep. Um, And the minute you start to, the minute they start to believe in themselves, Jerry Jones is talking about the Super Bowl or whatever, which I don't know they did this week, but in the past, they've leaned into that and had a hard time doing it. Hard time. I just sort of liked, yeah, I I liked what I saw last week as a reaction, almost like McCarthy sort of got him going again. And we'll see. But they lost to San Francisco in the playoffs last year. 
Um, and this would be in Dallas, right? It was in Dallas too. Yeah. Yeah. It was in Dallas with better talent to throw to for Dak Prescott too. So, um, those are fun games, some good games this week. I'll be interested to talk about our picks. Maybe we spend a little more time on what we did pick next week, because these games, I think in particular, you brought up some good points that, uh, I think we'll, we'll have fun discussing. Yeah, we will. I'm sure when I'm 0 4 or whatever. Uh, on the, well, that would mean you'd miss a couple too. So yeah, we'll see if cheating on the GM, cheating uh, in the GM notebook always <laughs> usually is taking a profit for me. So, <laughs> hey, everybody, you got anything else for Andy? No, I'm good? good. I think people are tired of us. Let's move yeah, on let's and get uh, out of hopefully here. people enjoy the, the weekend games. Uh, it's a great yeah. weekend for NFL football, and I'm looking yeah. forward to it for sure. I am too. Well, hey, everybody, Mike Sando here for The Athletic. You can find me there. Randy Mueller, you can find at MuellerFootball.com. Also at Randy Mueller underscore. I'm Mike Sando at SandoNFL on Twitter. We will talk to you next time. This was The Athletic Football Show.